This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, how you feeling this week? I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. Excited to talk about some church conflict? Man, <laughs> I hope not, but... It's, uh, it's uh, you know... Church discipline last week, church conflict this week, you know, really fun topics, exciting topics. That Corinthians church was Uh, on a roll. It was wild, wild over there. Um, So to start, you know, here's my, here's my start out question. What is, what is your, I don't know, best story, worst story? What's your most memorable story of, of church conflict in a church that you've been in? And I'm going to go ahead and say, we should bar any from fellowship at this church. (laughs) What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Uh, I think I've only got one fellowship, bad fellowship story, but we'll, we'll save that for another day. But, uh, yeah, I think there's one that really jumps out to me, uh, because it was early in my ministry as a youth pastor and, uh, it was a, it's a great learning experience for me, uh, because I went into, uh, a business meeting, which, uh, you know, your first mistake, first mistake, um, uh, thinking that this was uh, an exciting thing and a change, exciting change um, that ended up being crazy. Uh, so what happened was I, I'm hired as a youth pastor. I'm actually the youth and children's minister. So I'm doing both of these things. And uh, we had two, co- this church loved committees. I mean, we probably had 50 committees. It's like a true Baptist church. Yeah, true Baptist church. And so we had a children's committee and a youth committee. And I'm trying to save myself some time and some meetings and said, uh, hey, let's, and trying to be a little strategic. It's like, hey, let's have one mega committee, right? That is going to come up with the strategy and do all the things for kids and youth, K through 12, whatever. Um, and uh, and so I went to the people on both existing committees and, hey, we're, I'm, I'm going to merge these and make one new committee. Uh, if you want to be on that committee, you are more than welcome to stay on the committee. Uh, if you don't want to be on that, that's fine too. Uh, and so I went around, some people stayed on, some people said, no, I'm too busy. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So I go to the business meeting and we are presenting this because the church has to vote to change this. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I have this thing kind of written up to explain, um, what we're doing, the purpose of it. And you know, I start out by saying, Hey, uh, this committee exists to glorify God by doing da, 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 da. Um, and we read off the names of the people and all this stuff. And we're, we're trying to elect these people to be on the committee. And this one lady gets up and uh, is already crying and is like, um, uh, I was on this committee and I have now been asked to be off of this committee. And Brent just got up there talking about how this committee is existing to glorify God. And I want to glorify God. And now I'm not allowed to glorify God because I'm not on the committee and I've been removed from it and just lost her mind over thinking she was kicked off this committee, even though I approached her and told her she was welcome to be on it. In her mind, she was removed, and now she couldn't glorify God because of all this. And there was just crying, and there was yelling. Then other people got offended, and other people got upset. And it just turned into this shouting match and arguing. And I'm just standing there as like this 22-year-old, what is happening? Yeah, And um, it was bad. And, and afterward, it was crazy. It's like afterward, we laughed and everyone kind of realized, oh, we made way too big of a deal. Of, everyone everyone of, took a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were then they all apologized to me yeah, and we yeah. all moved on, which was great. But in the moment, it was like, 
what is happening. And so uh, I learned, learned, learned a few lessons that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, uh, I would, I, I almost said like, I would love to have a story, but I actually don't, I'm glad I don't really, I don't really have one that I can think of. Uh, the only thing that I can get close is, uh, my youth pastor, your roommate in college, yeah. uh, our friend Brady told who we need to have on the podcast. That'd sometime. be funny. We'd call him in. Yeah. He, he, he would tell this story about church business meetings. Uh, when he was young, he was a teenager and, uh, uh, I, I don't know if they were voting on this or talking about this or, or whatever, what the decision would be made, but a woman stood up and and held her Bible up over her head and said, now I know it says in the Bible that women should not wear pants. <laughs> yeah. And, and our friend Brady got, went up to the microphone and said, can you show me where? <laughs> and she couldn't and got very upset yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it's not in there. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the uh, that's the most. I, the, the, like, oh, I've got another. This was okay. kind of funny. So my last church, uh, we're at a business. Wait, I, wait. I also want to know. Did you did the did the committee pass? Did you make yeah, the yeah, super yeah, committee? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she didn't want to be on it because she was too busy, like she said. <laughs> um, people just get their feelings hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I think you realize after most church conflict, after you step back from it, mm-hmm. you realize everybody kind of realizes, oh, we made that. We kind of, that was silly. Mm-hmm. But so in my last church, uh, I don't even, I think we're like approving the budget or something. And this guy gets up and he says, hey, I think that our church budget for the personnel line should be uh, under 50% of the total budget because that's what Henry Blackaby said we ought to do. Henry Brackleby was the pastor of a church about 200 people. This is a church of over 2,000 people. And, uh, I mean, we had a lot of staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they kind of, my pastor and him started to get into it. And and I just sitting back there, I want to ask the question. I went back, ask him, hey, who do you want to fire? We're all in the room. Which one of us do you want to fire to get it under 50%? Sir, sir uh, a business meeting turns into an episode yeah. of Survivor, right? It's like we all get to vote like one either, person off the island. Either you can give like a lot more money and we yeah. can get it up or you can fire someone. Which one do you want to do? Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. That, I would, oh, and then I'd be sweating. And then in that same business meeting afterward, this guy comes up to the pastor and he says, hey, I had some thoughts. And he had your name written on a piece of paper. <laughs> no, I'm just no, kidding. No, no, I'm just kidding. Different guy. But he comes up to our pastor and he says, hey, I had some thoughts from the sermon and I, I, I wrote down uh, on this piece of paper um, and he had every time he said, um, or, uh, or any kind of thing like that. And he handed it to him and my pastor ripped the, I mean, probably sinfully so, ripped this dude to shreds. And I'm just standing there very awkwardly like, bro, you done goofed. <laughs> okay, I'll go throw my journal away. <laughs> all the tally marks I've, I've yeah. marked of the time yeah. you which, said um which, or uh. They were both in the wrong, but. Jeez, that's, yeah. that's brutal. I say um and uh a lot, I feel like. So don't, listeners, don't do that to me, please. <laughs> that really embarrassed me. But hopefully I wouldn't react like this guy. Well, okay, so let's uh, you know, let's dive into the the tech there. I did, I said it, I said uh, let's dive into the the text of the sermon and this week and, and kind of get going. Well, uh, I want you to, uh, real quick. I want you. Yeah. To, you told the story about Doctor Moore, one of my previous professors, um, that he that about church business meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, since we're on talking about yeah, bad yeah, church in meetings. in in Russell Moore's new book, it's called Losing Losing Our Religion. Uh, they, he tells this story about how his grandma was always the one who took him to church and that he would go, I mean, Sunday school, they'd go to service, they'd go to Sunday night prayer meeting and he'd go to RA 
on Wednesdays and like children's choir and RAs. every time the doors are open. I mean, yeah, yeah. But he said there was always one Sunday night a month that his grandma would not take him uh, to church. And he asked her, he asked her one time, he said, grandma, why do you not take me to church on, you know, whatever it was the fourth Sunday of the month? Why don't you ever let me go? And she, he said, what's going on? What's going on on the first fourth Sunday of the month? And she said, Oh, well, Russell, that's, that's business. Me, that's church business meeting. And he says, well, why don't, why don't you ever want to take me to church business meeting? And she said, because I want you to grow up and become a Christian. <laughs> And so I think it just goes to show like a story like that goes to show that one church business meetings have a reputation of being contentious uh-huh. being, and we're going to get into this point uh, later on, but being uh, actually removing credit, like church business meetings, remove credibility oh, uh, yeah. to the witness of the world instead of, you know, increasing credibility. Yeah. And, but also I think it's because we hold the, a lot of people I actually think we're losing this to a, to a, a, a shameful degree, hold the business of the church in such a high regard and an almost idolatrous regard. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, when stuff is changing, when a, when a committee is changing, mm-hmm. it's an attack on your very personhood oh, yeah. that you've got to go up to the mic and, and, and mm-hmm. cry and fight and yell and scream. And so that's where a lot of this comes. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to church conflict, a lot of it is rooted in because this is my place. This is mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. which is, is good. Um, we just have to, you know, order it rightly, which I think is what, yeah, you know, well, a lot it's of like, it's like, man, to. I want to see the church business meeting where people are, are fighting like this over a doctrinal issue that actually is a problem. It's like <laughs> yeah. the church leadership wants to move away from, you know, believing in the uh, exclusivity of Christ and they're mm-hmm. trying to be universalist and the church stands up and says no. Or like, so even something simpler than that, like how often to take communion, right? It's like, seems like a little thing, but has theological implications. Yeah, it's yeah. like fight over that, not, not yeah, yeah. committees. Like who cares? Bible doesn't say even the word committee. Yeah. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's go through those, those, those five points. Uh, first, you know, one conflict, happens because we're sinners, right? And so just really foundational groundwork. I really liked how you pointed out uh, in the text that Paul's kind of like, when this happens, like yeah. when you have conflict, it's not if, yeah. like it's when this happens. So uh, unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, real short point. Just, just uh, that's the truth. Like I think like what you just said, and because we're sinners and um, and no matter how long we follow the Lord mm-hmm. are going to be sinners and the most holy among us, whoever that person might be, is still a sinner. And so uh, we still get defensive. We still are prideful. We still have egos. We still get angry. We still want revenge. And, uh, you know, all of these were envious, were all these things. And so they, the, the possibility and potential for conflict to, ha- to happen is always available and always there because at our core, we're sinners. And so just recognizing that mm-hmm. and we got to fight it, but. It is going to happen because that's who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty evident. Uh, and so, so then, you know, we're going to have conflict. Uh, we're sinners, you know, we're going to try to go out and, you know, we're going to do whatever we can. I think a lot of it rooted in the the defensive, right? And so how do we, how do we deal with that? And so conflict, your second point then conflict begins or is worsened by a failure to apply the scriptures. So Unpack that. That's a that's a lot. I think. Yeah. To to deal with. So tell well, us what you're thinking. About I that, just that thought point. it was was fascinating that Paul here in this text is 
taking a very theological concept, this idea that we are going to judge the world and we're going to judge angels. And most commentators say that this is because we're, we have union with Christ. So everything's true about Jesus is true about us. And Mm. so because of that, as Christ is judging the world, we who are in Christ are judging the world in and through him. So like super pretty abstract theological concept that Paul is saying, look, doctrine isn't just for up in your head in the clouds. It's applicable. Mm -hmm. And so he takes this doctrine brings it down uh, to our hands and feet and says, mm-hmm. if one day you're going to judge angels, how is it now uh, that you cannot handle these conflicts among yourself? And so he's applying the scriptures, uh, applying doctrine to very practical areas of life. And I think that's just a really important point. It's one of the reasons right now in our D groups, we're reading this book called uh, You Are a Theologian mm-hmm. to say that, hey, it is important for you to understand the Trinity. It is important for you to understand what we believe about the Bible. Uh, It is important for you to understand what salvation is uh, more than uh, I accepted Jesus into my heart, but to understand Mm -hmm. the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ, uh, imputed righteousness of Christ, these things. Uh, Because while they are valuable as information in and of themselves, they are also valuable for practical effects and things that are going to change our life. And if you don't know them, how are they going to change you and, and all those things. And so mm-hmm. it's really important that you see yourself as a theologian who is thinking yeah. deeply about the things of God. Just because there, there's always something downstream from your theology. Yeah. Right? And so that's what, that's what Paul's Ideas saying Ideas have consequences. Yeah. And so uh, like we've, we've in, in the first chapter of the book, uh, they talk about the doctrine of God and how it's like the trunk of the tree. And we, mm. my group has gone back to that a lot saying like, this is related to the doctrine of God in, in this way. And so even, even here, right, we have a doctrine of God that God is the judge of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, then, you know, you have the theological implication of we have union with Christ. And so we are going to judge angels. Therefore, it's silly of us to sit around and f- infight with one another, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that, but that all kind of flows back to. Yeah, yeah. Well, to, just, just, and just uh, here's a, an example we talk about a lot uh, is that if we are created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. There are massive implications downstream from this. So here's a theological concept that we are different than animals as because we are image bearers of God, whatever mm-hmm. that may mean. But downstream of that, that means we treat humans differently than we treat animals. Yeah. We don't take grandpa behind the barn and put him down when he gets too old or gets sick. Yeah. Like we do a horse or something. Uh, we, we treat illegal aliens differently. We treat babies in the womb differently. We treat sick. We treat special needs. We treat all these people, uh, differently than animals because they're humans in the image of God. Mm -hmm. You know, if, you know, uh, why is it we have hospitals full of very sick people and we're spending thousands, millions of dollars on resources and medicine to keep people alive who we could just unplug and let them die because they're valuable. Mm -hmm. So here's a theological concept that has massive implications downstream. And so theology matters because it's going to apply. And so here, uh, it matters for conflict resolution. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so then you say, you know, so conflict, conflict happens, it's going to happen. It's, it's begin, it, it always starts or it gets worsened by the failure to apply the scriptures. And then this is like, I think really the meat of the text here is that Christians, because we're going to have conflict and because we're going to have to think about it biblically, we should always be able to reconcile without help from the world. Yeah. So go kind of dissect what Paul's doing there 
Yeah. And, and so this, this is a little funny side note. I, I had someone in our church who's a lawyer come up to me afterward, jokingly trying to take business. And, from he, him? and he said, you try to run me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So I thought that that's was very funny. funny. Um, <laughs> he's not a civil lawyer, so yeah, not really, yeah. but it was funny. Yeah. Um, you know, the root of the problem here is that not only can they not resolve their conflicts, but probably mm-hmm. their conflicts are over, some sort of money, yeah. monetary land could be whatever, uh, maybe not paying rent, something. Mm-hmm. And so they're taking them to court to get their due, mm-hmm. right? And so they can't deal with it among themselves. And so they're suing one another um, and all kinds of problems with that, kind of the next point. But um, this is an issue. Like, and you should be able to do this. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the whole point about the angel thing. It's like, you're going to yeah. judge angels. You should be able to work this out among yourselves. Mm-hmm. And even, and, and, and this is where he says the thing about, is there none wise enough among you? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, come, like, come on. And this is where, you know, specifically to this text, the theological implication comes. It's like, mm-hmm. you're judging, you're like, you're going to judge angelic beings. There's not one person in your church mm-hmm. wise enough to judge. Yeah. And then, this, and this that's little a, tiny right, right, lawsuit right. that's going and, on and, or whatever. And that's a, a helpful point too, because it's not saying that you and the other person should be able to figure this out yourselves, but there should be someone in your Christian community mm-hmm. who can mm-hmm. step in as a third party and help you walk through it together. Yeah. yeah. It's not that you don't even need, need help. We all need help, mm-hmm. but the help comes from inside, not outside. Yeah. Um, because, and I think this is a really, and specifically here, I think legally, right. This doesn't mean you don't go, we don't got to go get a a Christian plumber to, to fix the the pipes in our, uh, around, around conflict, right. Like even if you need a counselor or something, right. Just Um, wanted, just wanted to be super clear about that. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. That's okay. So don't sue each other. Don't, yeah, don't, that's the main point. Don't sue one another. One, because. And I think you you kind of get into the Paul front loads part of the argument, right? You're going to judge angle angles. Angles. Who missed if you if if you only if you mistype it, uh, you're going to judge angels. But then and then he gets so so don't sue each other. And then he sort of backloads the argument here, uh, right? And so the the next point of your sermon is like Christians who fail to reconcile destroy their witness to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so exp, exp, explain that point and what Paul's getting at. You know. Uh... Someone showed me a, a DC talk quote after the sermon, uh, and I, I wish I'd have pulled it up. But basically, it says, "What will people think when they know <laughs> no, that I'm no. a Jesus freak?" Oh. That that one of the main reasons, and I talked about this a little bit, but the quote was good. But one of the main reasons that people say they won't believe in Christianity is because of Christians, Christians' failure to live like yeah. Christ. Um, and so when we, I mean, <laughs> why is Doctor Moore's grandma? Tell it, not taking them to a business meeting. Well, it's, it's, it's because it's like, if you see this is how Christians behave, mm-hmm. I don't want nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you say one, when you say I'm a Christian, there is an immediate assumption from the other person of what that means mm-hmm. in America, right? When we understand a little bit what Christianity is. And so when you're acting hypocritically, uh, particularly in your holding grudges, your flying off the handle, your anger, you're in conflict all the time. You're finding, mm-hmm. you know, you're that drama queen, right? You're always finding <laughs> drama um, or king, you know, goes both yeah. ways. Uh, then you, like, no one is taking the claims mm-hmm. that you want to make of Christ seriously. And the on the counter side of that, the flip side, if you're a peacemaker, if you're the one who's always avoiding conflict, you're mm-hmm. the one who's always, 
making things right, mm-hmm. going to the other person. Hey, man, I, I, you know, I spoke too quickly here. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. That on the on the flip side is a incredible testimony to the grace yeah. and mercy of God. For sure. And so people are watching you. And like, and I, th- I think about, I wish I'd have brought this up. I think about sports, right? We were talking earlier about uh, NFL head coaches that have been, mm-hmm. you know, blowing up at refs and how in baseball, like they, <laughs> uh, they run out and go, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. but it's like parents on the bleacher. If you're seen as that person who just won't shut up, mm-hmm. you're always yelling at an umpire, yelling at a coach. Uh, it's like yelling at your kid. And then someone finds out you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, they're there. What? Yeah. And so it's like, um, your life matters. The gospel yeah. lived out, you know, or we say the yeah. gospel practiced. Yep. Um, you should be changed. And so, yeah. One, one of the quotes that's been really sticking with me kind of about this point recently is specifically about younger, young millennials and, and Gen Z is that those that have problems with Christianity, uh, specifically those who are, are deconstructing their faith, who are losing their faith, or we would say have walked away from the faith. What they don't have a problem with is orthodox Christian belief. That's usually not what we're finding. Uh, That usually comes later. But it's like, it's not that they don't believe what their childhood church is teaching. It's that they have started to believe that the church doesn't actually believe what they were teaching. And so like the perfect example of this is there was a guy who wanted to have a high level position in the Southern Baptist Convention. And... He did not get that position. And as a result of that, decided to sue another person, another believer in court over slander, like because he was being slandered. Because this guy was telling everybody, you should not vote for this guy. No, he wasn't even doing that. Oh, he wasn't? Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. He, uh, he was just, he was, I, I don't, this, the guy he was suing was not even in the Southern Baptist Convention at this point. Hmm. And so... But it's like, so you have this guy, this Southern Baptist preacher who you could go on YouTube and look up a sermon on this text of this guy saying, if someone slanders you, the wisest thing to do is leave it alone. The wisest thing to do is not to sue them and to just be slandered. And then, and then, in, the pa- and then in the headlines, it's he's suing these other believers because yeah. he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. And so what does that tell 20 somethings, mm-hmm. teenagers in your church? says, oh, well, when it's convenient for me, I can bend the rules a little bit. Yeah. When it's convenient for me, I can actually do this. Yeah. Uh, and so that's it, like we see this in practice all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's destroying, I think, mm-hmm. the, the, the witness of the church, not, to the, not even just to the outside world, mm-hmm. but to the inside mm-hmm. of the church. Yeah, like yeah. People, people are losing their confidence. Mm-hmm. Not in the resurrection, but they're losing their confidence in the people who taught them about the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's super dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found a quote. Uh, it's actually from Brennan Manning. Do you know who that is? Nope. I know that name, but I can't. Pey- not, Peyton and Eli's it's brother? No, 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 no. But I can't think of who it is. But so DC Talk must quote this guy. But it's, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. You know what? It's, it's, it's almost the reverse of that quote, like preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, which we don't like by the way. Well, yeah, no, we're not endorsing that. But this idea is like preach the gospel, uh, or like 
and but pre- don't and don't preach anti-gospel with, with your life your life you yeah, know it's yeah, like yeah. it's the reverse right um you right. know people are saying hey you know just act like a christian and people will know jesus which mm-hmm. is not true but <laughs> but what this guy is saying like hey actually what is true is if you don't act like a christian if you don't if you don't grow in christ likeness if mm-hmm. you don't if you if you don't uh, if you preach one thing and, and do the opposite thing, then that actually is preaching an anti-gospel mm-hmm. to people. It's going to push mm-hmm. them away. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, and this is kind of going back to the previous point a little bit, but uh, we were talking before about there's a church uh, in Virginia, uh, David Platt's church, who they were raising up elders and there's a group of people in their church that didn't like the elders they were raising up uh, for whatever reason in the direction the church was moving in and sued the church over mishandling the bylaws, which they ended up did not do. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so it's like, this is actually a very practical point because there are churches today suing themselves, suing the church over things that they disagree with and fighting over. Um, And so, yeah, don't, don't do that. Yeah. And I think, I think something, I think we can, you know, and, and, we, we need to extrapolate this point from the text is I don't think it's just don't sue people in your church, right? Like, Christians. Yeah. I think yeah. it's don't sue brothers and sisters, right? Mm-hmm. There is some form of mediation mm-hmm. that can be, that can be reached. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and I think we should take that really literally oh, yeah. and really seriously. Well, and I think, I mean, Paul goes so far as to say it is better for you to be defrauded. Yeah. Than for you to destroy your witness in this way. So it's, a, it's better for you to lose money. And their problem is they love their money more than they love their brothers. Yeah. And so like this pastor that when he said in the, in the sermon, right, like it's better for you to be slandered. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, he's right. But he didn't believe that he, he mm-hmm. preached that, but he didn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, but, but Paul's saying, Hey, you gotta, this is going to be hard, mm-hmm. right? This is, but we have to believe this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to, we have to live this out. Uh, and so that's 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 super important. And so then then lastly, I think this point is was like chef's kiss. <laughs> like this is the heart of not just this text, but the heart of the gospel. Right? Is that when when we fail to reconcile, mm-hmm. we destroy. Or no, I read the wrong thing. But when we fail to reconcile, we fail to understand and live out the gospel. Yeah. Expl- explain that a, l- a little further. Well, I thought. I mean, so Jesus tells a parable. That yeah. is all about this. And yeah. it's about a guy who has a massive debt. I mean, let's say it's like a billion dollar debt. And he goes before this king, basically, who he owes the debt to. And this king releases him from the debt. He says, you know what? I'll wipe it clean. Mm-hmm. And this guy turns around and walks out the door. And he runs into a guy who owes him like 10 bucks. And... He grabs a hold of his shirt, shakes him, and he's like, beats him up, uh, beats him up, and like, you need to pay me right now. And he throws him in debtor's prison until he's able to pay. And then the king hears about this and he's like, what the heck? I just forgave you this massive mm-hmm. thing and you couldn't forgive the 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And he throws him into prison. Yeah. Uh, and so the point here is when you understand the debt that's been forgiven you. Mm-hmm it makes you the type of person who can forgive those small debts. And so what this guy, this guy had been forgiven that debt, but he didn't comprehend it. Mm-hmm. Like he was living in his own world or something. <laughs> yeah. and, and so when you're a person who knows how sinful you are, mm-hmm. like really gets it. Like, like with Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. And you get that God has forgiven you and it took the blood of his son on a cross to make that happen. That humbles you. 
mm-hmm. and you know who you are and you know what God has done. And so when someone hurts you, someone offends you, someone does something to you, you don't look at it like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. You don't look at it like this is the most despicable thing in the world. I would never. And this, this drives me crazy uh, when people say, I would never do that, what they did to me. <laughs> and it's like, that's not true. You yeah. literally would. Yeah. And, and I and think may, maybe not to them, but to a multitude of other people. Yeah. You would yeah. Do that. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe even to them. Get, yeah. Yeah. And here's, I think this is a, this is a helpful thing. Given the right circumstances and there is nothing you are not capable of doing, mm-hmm. you are capable of the most heinous of crimes. If you're put in the right set of circumstances, mm-hmm. there's nothing you, you will murder, you will rape, you will pillage, mm-hmm. you will whatever. Um, if you are put in the right set of circumstances, it is but by the grace of God that has kept you from those things. Mm-hmm. When you don't understand that, of course, you're going to be an arrogant person who won't forgive, won't reconcile, mm-hmm. and will look down on people who, who, who do the smallest infractions towards you. Yep. But when you do realize that and someone hurts you really deeply, you you mm-hmm. are quick to extend forgiveness because you know that's me. Yeah. And I Nathan, Nathan read this as our call to worship. And I think it's like one of the most human moments in the Bible. It's like right before this story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jesus is teaching on forgiveness and Peter is like, okay, but how, but how much forgiveness do we need to extend? Yeah. You know, it's like, which is, that's, that's the question we all, when we read this text, right? That's the question I think that, that we all want to ask is, is okay. But what if, what if it's for a lot of money? Yeah. How far is too far? Or it's like, right. what if how they, what if they really ruined my reputation? <laughs> mm-hmm. What if they like, you know, really hurt me. What mm-hmm. if they, it's like, then can I do it? Yeah. And it's like, how, how much is too much? And it's like further than you could even imagine. Mm-hmm. It's like, because that is the, the slander, the, the defrauding that Jesus took mm-hmm. on the cross for, for your sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one, no one was slandered more than Jesus. Right. Like, no one was defrauded more than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, when you understand that truth for you, yeah, yeah. On, on your behalf, mm-hmm. uh, instead of you getting it, he got it. Yeah. And so, and so when you understand that and when you grow in your understanding of that, mm-hmm. right, it makes it, re- it, it should make it really easy not to sue people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which seems like a very extreme thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it should also make it increasingly easy to forgive people. In some ways, I didn't bring this out. I'm just not thinking about this. It's it's a low view of both the gospel and uh, Christian brotherhood, Christian yeah. family. Yeah. When you go to see your brother, it's like you have a very low view of they're they're just another person mm-hmm. instead of no, mm-hmm. they're my brother. Mm-hmm. So low view. theological implication of adoption. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Goes back to God as Father. Mm-hmm. So theology. Theology. Yeah. yeah, it's practical, yeah. right? Um, so uh, I think there were a couple of these these sort of uh, ten practical points. yeah these these points uh, to hit on uh, that you wanted to, to to bring out. So run through those real quick. Yeah. So and- I had ten practical points, uh, and I was trying to come up with the three one I want, three I want to talk about most, and I came up with there's five. five. So, <laughs> um, but I so I, true I, true preacher fashion. <laughs> no, the last two kind of go together. But so one um, I mean when you're in conflict, if you can expose the idol underneath the conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are well on your way to making it right. And if yep. you don't expose the idol underneath the conflict, you're, you are masking the symptom. You know, it's like, it's like taking medicine for your cough when the real problem is, you know, you've got 
crap in your lungs, you got to get out. Or you're, whatever. you're smoking. Or, yeah. Uh, somehow, or, or, yeah. I don't know. Um, That's the first thing that came to my yeah. head. <laughs> um, and so, at, you know, figuring out what is being promised to your heart um, that if I had this thing, I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it status? Is it beauty? Is it money? Is it mm-hmm. security? Uh, and, and, and it's uh, it's more than just, um, you know, I don't, I don't even know, like, uh, it's deeper. It's not always bad things. It can be no, good sure. things, right? So it's like, I, I'm thinking about your, your sermon of your, your pastor ripping the guy a new one for tallying up his ums and oh, ahs yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know, it's like the, the idol that he was defending was his own image, his own preaching ability, right? Well, his he, own ability to communicate he even said, the gospel, yeah, right? He even said, I've been working all day, labored over this all week, prayed over this all week, labored all this, and you come to tell me this. Yeah. Like, an idolizing his own work, yeah, right? Yeah. Which all of those things he said were good, right? right. To pray, to study, yeah, to yeah. work, right? Those are all good things, but uh, not good enough to But if people don't appreciate him. my work, I won't be happy. Yeah. Only when I'm, I'm valued and appreciated and, and seen in these ways. Uh, and so um, I think unearthing that idol is so helpful. Yeah. Um, I found it helpful in my life personally with my marriage. Um, you know, when we get into a fight, we, we'll figure out what the thing we're, we're really protecting because that's what happens when, yeah. when you have an idol, you sacrifice to it, mm-hmm. right? You defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, you worship it. You give everything toward it. Mm-hmm. And when you expose it, you're like, oh my gosh, I've been defending this. I, I don't need this thing. So, yeah. And, uh, if, if, if you do that and you don't find one, just, like, just maybe think a little bit longer on it. There's one there. <laughs> well, you know, I think John Calvin said it well, yeah. the, the Protestant reformer who said, our hearts are idol factories. Yeah. Constantly making idols. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Martin Luther said, uh, anytime you break any of the commandments, you first break the first commandment. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt uh, have no gods, no gods before me. For me. Yep. And so when you lie, it's because you had a God you were serving, a, a lowercase g God. Higher, more, than higher than the true God. Yeah. So expose idols. Uh, the second one would be communicate so clearly that you can't be misunderstood. Um, I've just seen this happen so often. I've done it. I've been in conversations with it. Um, and, and sometimes those conversations aren't even heated, right? We're just mm-hmm. trying to walk through something. And then you realize halfway through the conversation, oh, we're talking about two different, two different things. things. Yeah. And so uh, just being really clear about what you mean, because you're clear to yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but just slowing down to make sure people understand what you're saying. Yeah. And that's something I think you can never do. Covers perfectly. a multitude of sins. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something you can never do perfectly and can never be done perfectly. I yeah. think which kind of leads into your next one, which is super helpful uh, when you talk about like having charitable judgment. Yeah. Because like I can never communicate exactly what I want to mm-hmm. all the time. Right. And yeah. so uh, when I have charitable judgment, right. Yeah. My perception is maybe that you are trying to hurt me mm-hmm. when the reality is that you are just trying to inform me or trying to help me. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. And so one, one thing me and Darcy say to each other, and that is along this lines of when you, when you put it up on the screen, me and her were like, Hey, we kind of have language mm-hmm. for this is, uh, I want you to assume the best about me mm-hmm. in a, in a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. When I say something to you and it's like, I'm, I may actually intend it even worse than what you assume I'm intending it. And hopefully mm-hmm. I, that will be revealed to me. But it's like, when I say something, I want you to assume the best. It's like, mm-hmm. it may hurt you, but, uh, I, I want you to assume that I'm trying to be helpful or that I'm trying to be, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I, I found that my tone can come across condescending mm-hmm. because maybe, uh, if the person says, stop talking to me like I'm a child. 
Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to talk to you like you're a child. I'm. I'm. I'm slowing down and speaking clearly, in an effort to be clear and helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so assume that I'm not trying to become belittling. Or I'm. Just, I'm actually yeah. trying to be helpful. Yeah. Um. And you know, I had a person say this to me one time that, basically, like, uh, most people aren't trying to hurt you, and if they knew you were sitting at home stewing over this comment someone made. Mm-hmm. And they found out they would just be broken because mm-hmm. that was not their intent. Yeah. The problem is, is so often we're careless with our words. We just mm-hmm. say things. Um, uh, I saw a guy post today. Uh, it was like this big circle, uh, uh, which was like a person's life, big circle. And then a little dot in that. And it was like, how much you know about that person's life. Therefore, be careful what you say to people mm-hmm. because you don't really know them. Yeah. You don't really know what's going on in their life. And so um, I just, yeah, I just think. And, t- and now if, I was, you know, I made this little caveat in there of like, have the charitable, charitable judgment until the facts prove otherwise. Mm-hmm. If the facts come out that no, this person actually was belittling you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's a different, that's conflict resolution. Yeah. Now yeah. we got to fix that problem. Yeah. But until then, you know, just because someone had a short text message and man, we got to talk about that for a second. I mean, I, I don't know how many people I have to walk through this with, uh, that it, whether it's a short text uh, uh, okay. Or like no, no emojis. No emojis. Emojis only. Right. It's like if it's only emojis. Oh, that can like, be bad. It, I think it okay. can be interpreted poorly. Okay. Um, or the wrong emoji. Like I, because this has happened to me before. I've sent an emoji that I intended one thing by the emoji, and the other person got it. Like, Was it like the nerd emoji that you always? Send? I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they interpreted it differently and thought I yeah. meant something bad. I was like, no, this is this is whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like the text message thing. It's like. Unless the person tells you, mm-hmm. hey, I'm upset. Yeah. I, my rule is I don't believe anything's wrong until they tell me something's wrong. <laughs> I'm not trying to read between the lines yeah, of yeah. whatever your message was. But I also think, and this is, I think, kind of leads into number nine a little bit. It's like if you think you're in conflict with someone, if you think there's something off, just ask them. You know, oh, just sure. be like, be yeah. honest yeah, and yeah. just say, don't like stew in it and talk to your friends. Be like, are they mad at me? Can you figure out if they're mad at me? Or oh, yeah, it's yeah. like, and just like, just go and say, Hey, I feel like we're in conflict. I feel yeah. like I'm feeling some thing, tension. Yeah. It's like, or I feel like this text you sent me was, was short is, are we okay? Yeah. It's like, they can either be like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm, don't know why you, or they use that. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. Because, because this next point is like, unleash the power of confession, right? Just like be transparent. Yeah. Walk in the light. Right, right. You know, right. Uh, uh, when when someone has hurt you, let them know. Yeah. Right? And so you can restore, you can reconcile. Because if you don't, this I've seen this happen so many times, right? It's like if, if, if someone gets hurt by words or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they just go away, they tell their friends, and their friends are like, oh, they should not have done that. They yeah. should not have. I would have never you know? done that to it's you. It's like they, they go to a text message chain and they're like sending screenshots of like the chat log or whatever. And they're like, can you believe they're talking to everyone? It's like, they should never have spoken to you that way. You know, blah, 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 all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And just like feeding into your anger, mm. your hurt, your whatever. They're not helping you. Yeah. And so and so I think we got to be really guarded against one. Don't Don't go confess it and try to get worked up and get people on your side. It's like just go to the person and say, "Hey, this hurt me. Let's could, can we can we figure this out?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hopefully that person will follow the same principle and say, "Hey, I did not mean to hurt you," or yeah. "Hey, I spoke out of anger. I was trying to hurt you, and I'm I'm sorry for that." <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> "No, uh, you're right. I was trying to hurt you." Yeah, I mean that may <laughs> happen. Yeah, that may sure. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, but, like, but, and, like, and like, praise God if that does happen, right? It's like, that's what we want, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't want people to go hurt each other with their yeah, words. Yeah, but but if they me, do it, we want them to confess it and yeah, repent. Yeah. And, and I will say, I think that the power of confession is from this book. This is where I got this from. It's called When Sinners Say I Do. Highly recommend it. Um, but when you are, this is, you know, in this context it's about marriage, but it works for anybody. If you are only 10% in the wrong on a fight and you go and you confess, I responded poorly. I did this poorly. And you're just mm-hmm. owning up to mm-hmm. the little bit that you did and genuinely owning up to it. Yeah, not yeah. manipulative, genuinely. And then looking at the person and saying, hey, I, I did this wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Not if I did this, but I did this, yep. which is the owning. I'm, mm-hmm. Confession is owning it. It's I am mm-hmm. agreeing with you that what I did was wrong. And so I'm owning this thing. I did this. Will you? And saying the words, will you forgive me? Um, frees them up. It makes them lower their guard to realize, oh, it's okay to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're modeling that for me. And I've never done it where the other person did not go, man, I, I forgive you. But really, man, this is on me. I did A, B, and mm-hmm. C. Will you forgive me? Yeah. Yes. And then and then it's <laughs> over. It's like, and so that, that confession, even if even if the other person is more than wrong, you take the first step mm-hmm. and help them get to the place where they can also confess. Well, because because and because you can't make anyone confess or apologize no, or all seek you, forgiveness. All you can do is but what's you, on you. Yeah, but it's like, but you are responsible for mm-hmm. for your own confession and your own reconciliation and, and seeking yeah. forgiveness. And yeah. so uh I, I, I think that's really effective. And I think the you mentioned this in the sermon the hearing the words or saying the words i forgive you so powerful so powerful right oh, we've yeah. gotten into a we've gotten into a a habit i think in our 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 language of of saying hey it's okay right which is actually excusing the behavior yeah it wasn't okay yeah yeah and i it's okay to say that right yeah. it's okay to say hey that was not okay what you did mm-hmm. and i forgive you mm-hmm. god's powerful oh yeah yeah Man. And when you look someone in the and, eyes and you say it. And just, I mean, like, t- you talk about, you talk about a witness, right? You talk about, let me get a witness. you talk about credibility, yeah. right? It's like the world is so unforgiving. Oh yeah. Right. You think about, can't we well, talk about cancel culture last week, right? Yep. It's like yep. the world is so unforgiving. Yeah. And for them to see a group of people that are willing to say, I forgive you. Man, we should add a new core value. We've got radical and generosity. We should be radical in forgiveness. This is great. <laughs> I think we already have it. It's called Rooted in the Gospel. Oh, boom. Baby. Boom. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and, which is the last point. Yeah, yeah. So be quick of, to forgive. Yeah. So when be quick so, to confess, quick to forgive. Yeah, when someone says, hey, man, I have sinned against you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Uh, yeah. Now, I'll be honest. Sometimes uh, I've been in situations where um, you do that and the person says, I want to, but I, I, need, I need some time. I need some time. That's and that's fair. okay. That's fair. That's okay. Because they do in a process that they mm-hmm. want, to, they're saying, I want to get there, but I want to genuinely tell yep. you that. Yep. Give them the time to do that. And then make sure that they come back or that you follow up again. Hey, you've, you've had some time. Yeah. Will you, will you forgive me and of this? Forgiveness is, is hard. And, and you know, it's like, we've talked about this before. It's, just, it's the absorption yeah, of, of the, the, the wrong yeah. of the, and so it's like, I'm not going to pay you back. Yeah, I can. You know, it's like when we talk about when we talk about Jesus forgave our sin. It's like he absorbed the pain, the torment, the uh, you know the debt, whatever, whatever you want to say. Everything God should have inflicted on you. Yeah, Jesus absorbed it. He yep. took it on Himself. And yep. so when we forgive others, that's what we do. Is we say, "Hey, I could, I could verbally strike back at you, right? Mm-hmm. I could, uh, you know." 
go run you down to my friends. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, I, and I would be justified, mm-hmm. right? I would be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, m- maybe even right to do that. Mm-hmm. So, but to forgive someone is to say, no, this hurt. I'm going to take it on myself. I'll feel the pain. I'm going to let it go. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to not hold it against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're going to move together. We're going to move forward together in, in reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, just so like otherworldly to, to literally say, to say, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, to look someone in yeah. the eye and say, I'm going to absorb yeah. your pain, For the sure. pain you inflicted me. For sure. Cause the world says strike back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, any final, uh, any final thoughts on, on reconciliation or suing people in, in the courts of law? I don't think so. I think we should have done a, a, a pseudo court case on Sunday and you could have been the judge, like judge Ooh. Judy. Ooh, that'd been fun. <laughs> judge, judge Brent. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's dive into uh, one question we got, which is, uh, I think related to conflict. Uh, but also has a lot it's of a other specific conflict. Yeah, specific conflict, a lot of uh, other implications. But I think a very helpful conversation uh, worth having because it's a uh, a problem that's uh, uh, you know really mm-hmm. affecting our our society. And so uh, someone wrote in and they asked, uh, "Hey, my boyfriend opened up to me recently about his struggles with pornography. We're talking about marriage, and this problem currently isn't a deal breaker. He said he's fighting against it and hasn't viewed it in a while. How should I respond to this?" What kind of questions should I ask him about his struggles? What would you say? Man, I think we can talk about this for a long time and mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to, but the first thing I want to say is this, this in some ways is, a, is an epidemic in the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time not too long ago that to get a hold of pornography, you had to get a magazine from mm-hmm. a, from a gas station or have, have, know someone's dad who had the stored away. Now mm-hmm. everyone has instant access on their phone anytime they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine told me this a couple of years ago. He said, uh, pornography is like a drug that has no side effects, costs you nothing, doesn't damage, doesn't hurt you, seemingly. Physically hurt you. Doesn't seemingly hurt you. Uh, and no one can, no one will ever know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like, how do you resist that? Yeah. And so on the on one hand, I want to say, this is a huge problem that I don't know the statistic. I mean, a high percentage of People, over seventy percent of, of, of men, men deal with this, and I think over fifty percent of women now. Yeah. Um, so I want to say, not unusual. On the other hand, I want to say, um, I've seen two two types of guys struggling with this. The one guy is the guy who um, he struggles with it, but he's very open about it. It's not frequent. It's sporadic. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I actually read this the other day. A guy was talking about how guys use this as a anxiety relief. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhat connected to that. Then I've seen, uh, the other guy who it's multiple times a day, it's all consuming, it's addictive. Um, and it's a massive problem. It's not to say that the other one's not a problem. It mm-hmm. is. Um, but I think those are two different, um, cases. Mm-hmm. The, 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 that second case, I would say that is a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, until that guy gets it under control. Uh, the guy that's doing it periodically and, and is really fighting it, I don't think it's a deal breaker, but I do think, um, w- one, I don't know who this guy is, uh, but I want to say anytime we're in sin, we have the great temptation of being deceptive. Mm-hmm. And so when he says, um, I haven't done it in a while, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean for him? I mean, 
I'm just saying like, that's easy to say to yeah. the person that you want to marry. Yeah. And uh, specifically like what's a while, you know, two weeks. Yeah. A week. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so I would say, man, like this is not something we can just answer here on the podcast, but I think that guy has to be in the light. First John walking the mm-hmm. light. There's gotta be someone in his life, another man um, who he has trust in, who he can be 100% transparent with mm-hmm. and walk with these things through. And then I think daily, daily, and yeah. then this girl, whoever this is, um, needs to talk to that man. And mm-hmm. I think someone she trusts, mm-hmm. and she needs to say, hey, is, is he married? Where he's at right now, would you recommend us getting married? Mm-hmm. Or would you say we need to hit the pause button until he gets this under control? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you got to have that guy. And I think this guy has to be willing to be 100% in the light yeah. and not hiding it. But which he's already confessed it, right? So he's in the light. Like he didn't yeah. have to tell her. He's told her. Yep. Props to that dude. Great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he he's got a. The other thing I would say is like you have to fight this thing, like you're slaying a dragon, or it will devour mm-hmm. you. Yeah. You can't you can't play games with it. Yeah. Um, uh, because it 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 can really destroy your marriage. Oh yeah. Um, without a doubt. And uh, and can lead to all kinds of problems. And so I think, it, I think it's a serious conversation, ongoing conversation. I keep mm-hmm. having. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really not a ton to add to that. I would just recommend a resource, a book, uh, called the death of porn by Ray Ortland. Yeah. Um, really, really great resource, uh, for, for men and, and boys who are struggling with, uh, with, uh, addiction to pornography, uh, really n- n- no shame in the book. Uh, you know, it is not a book. It's not that, guilting you. It's not a book that shames you. Yeah. It is a, it is a book that encourages you to walk in the way of Jesus and to honor people with your eyes and to honor people with your hands as people who are made in the image of God. So I, I'd encourage that as a resource. Say, say the title one more time. It's the death of porn by, by Ray Ortland. And, uh, I would recommend it to literally anyone that has a a son, <laughs> but also if you're <laughs> yeah. addicted to pornography, you should read it. Yeah. And um, like, Matt's a great point. This is not the question, but this is an aside, uh, dads listening, um, who are raising sons. And in some ways, like you said, the stats are changing, even, yeah. even with raising kids in a, uh, a generation who doesn't know what not having a phone in your hands. Like mm-hmm. if you have had the sex talk and an ongoing pornography conversation was not a part of that or is not a part of that, you need to back up and make it a part of it. Yeah. Um, because they know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Their friends at school are telling uh, yeah. them about it or showing it to them. Yeah. And, and if you don't think that's true, it is. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you need to be the one having this conversation yeah. with them so they can be honest with you and you can not shame them, not guilt them, not make it embarrassing, uh, but help them before this gets their, it's claws in them. Yeah. Uh, to back to the question, the, the other thing I'll say is, um, don't play married you know, on this issue. This is really important. Um, d- you, you know, you, you write in and you ask what, what kind of question should I ask him about his struggles? Um, I, I, I struggle to say none. Uh, you know, it's like, but, but not her job yet. Yeah. It's, it's not your job to hold him accountable for his sin. It's not your job to, uh, even it, it you have the same responsibility to him as his girlfriend, as any other woman in the church has responsibility to him as a brother in Christ. Mm. 
And so don't feel a personal responsibility to fix this, to fix the issue, to get into details, to get into the nitty gritty, because that's actually just going to end up being really harmful. Yeah. And, and so don't, and, and what's going to happen is if you make this really in, this is a really intimate de- This is a really intimate problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if, if you, you know, start getting into the details and it turns out this problem is really bad, it's like, you're going to want to, but probably you should want to step away from the relationship, but you've now tied this really tight bind over this issue to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so you cannot be the one. And if you're the one helping them and now you're walking away, you can't help them anymore. Yeah. And so it, it cannot be you. And so I think Brent is really prudent to say, ensure that he is accountable to someone daily. You be in contact with the person he's accountable to uh, someone that you both trust and you can have honest evaluation from, from that person. It's like, Paul, is there, is there not one wise enough among you uh, <laughs> to, to, uh, to settle this? And yeah. I, I think there are, are wise people in the church that, mm-hmm. that would be able to, to assist and to help and to encourage. And um, like, I, I think this is a very normalized thing in our culture. And I, this is going to be hard to, to hear, I think, but it's like, I think you need, you need to be ready to say, this is an issue that you've got to address before we proceed. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is really hard mm-hmm. um, and sucks to hear, but this is not a normal thing. Right. Uh, and we can't let it become a normal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there are actually uh, studies about how pornography rewires your brain. Yeah. Um, and so makes you uh, more aggressive. It makes you more deceptive. <clears throat> it makes you more, um, manipulative all like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just all kinds of things. And so, um, if it, you could say be setting your marriage up for failure mm-hmm. by stepping into something, particularly if it's a deeper issue than he's let on, mm-hmm. um, that will destroy your marriage. And so yeah. I just think get him with somebody you both trust yep. And he's got to be, I'm a, I'm an open book mm-hmm. before this guy. Yep. Um, and not before her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's where you gotta be. And if he's willing to do that and does that and the guy's like, yeah, I think he's been honest and you can't really know that he's being honest. You yeah. gotta but pray I, that he is, but, and, and if there's any unwillingness for accountability, I, I think it's time to walk away. Oh yeah. 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 Be careful of the manipulation. Yep. E- and this, not just this, anytime we're in sin, it is easy for us to, we're trying to manipulate the situation, the situation. to get out of the mm-hmm. problem. And, you know, there's this difference the Bible talks about between uh, godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Mm-hmm. Worldly sorrow is, I'm sorry for my sin because I don't like the consequences. Mm-hmm. And godly sorrow is, I'm sorry for the sin because it grieves the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, godly sorrow will lead to repentance and the desire to have someone help me. Yeah, and and you know this guy's listening. I don't know if he is or not, but if he is, man, just want to say to you, and God's mercies are new every morning, mm-hmm. and uh, and you are not alone in this. Yeah, and there's probably not a single dude in our church that is ne- not that has not been ha- affected by this. Yep. I mean, it's everywhere. Yep. Um, and so, uh, and so, so no one's gonna be like, you're not gonna confess this to a man in our church. They're gonna be like, you are the worst of sinners. You are the worst. Like, <laughs> no, you like, not- no, I got it, man. I get like, you. I yeah, get you, bro. Like, yep, totally I understand. understand. So, and, and so, uh, you're not alone. Uh, God's grace is, is big enough to cover this. Um, we are taking this seriously because we don't want it to consume you and destroy mm-hmm. you as I've seen it do in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted you mm-hmm. to take it seriously, um, for your good, as well as the good of a potential marriage. So, yeah. 
yeah, well, uh, we'll be praying for you uh, if you're listening and uh, for that situation. And um, we just know that the gospel is big enough and that God is faithful uh, to deliver and to restore and to reconcile. So, well, there we go. Thanks for joining us for the recap. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can always go to myfellowship.church. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.